I am Daniel Lukies and welcome to Book 101. Book 101 is all about the books that I read for the last 40 years and today I have my special guest. He is the author of several books, no other than Mr. Cody Engdahl. Hello, Mr. Gotti. Hello, Mr. Daniel. How you doing? I'm great, like you. And thank you for your time. Yeah, thank you for yours. Yes, and let's talk about your civil war. Wow, interesting. Yeah, thank you very much. So the uh, the the trilogy follows the Second Michigan Cavalry as they roster in Detroit, and then. Go through the war, and all the battles and all the historical figures in it are true. But then my characters and their stories kind of interwoven into the into the, through the whole series. Yes, indeed. So, uh, Mr. Cody, can you please introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Cody uh, Cody Engdahl. My writer's name is Cody C. Engdahl. Not that there's a whole lot of Cody Engdahls out there writing books. And uh, I spent uh, I was. In the army, uh, when I was a younger man, I spent most of my career in television. I was a morning uh, reporter, and then when I left my last job here in Nashville, I just decided that I was always supposed to write, and so it was time to do so. So I sat down and I started writing uh, my first novel. I now have four novels out, all available on Amazon, and uh, I have two other nonfiction books as well. Today, what are we gonna talk about? Well, I'll tell you, I what I've created is an overarching series that starts with the trilogy. The trilogy is called the Second Michigan Cavalry Chronicles, but it's really about. It really has like heroes and villains on both sides. As you know, the American Civil War was something very, uh, very painful, and it's something that still has its scars today. And so the story is about three friends who go to school together. In Detroit, and they get separated by the war and end up on opposite sides. And so, throughout the war, they will they'll have their own adventures, but then they'll also end up reencountering each other. And some of the themes I like to write about are like honor amongst enemies, and what do you do when your best friend is wearing the uniform of the enemy, and how do you how do you manage and weigh Your duty and your patriotism to honor and love and friendship. Interesting indeed, Mister Cody. So before we go deeper to your novel, let's talk about who you are. Who are your favorite author or authors? Yeah, you know, I'll tell you. Um, I, I'm a big fan of historical fiction. I like. Uh, you know who I like? I like a uh, Batiste Pinson Wu that you had on your show just the other day. He's great. Oh yes, I've read. I've read his first book. It's wonderful. Um, uh, like a lot of us, I'm a big fan of Bernard Cornwell. I would say the the author that I try to be that I model myself after is Alexander Dumas, uh, who uh, famously wrote the Three Musketeers. And wrote um, the uh, now I'm drawing a blank. The Count of Monte Cristo, <laughs> oh, of course, my favorite. <laughs> Mine too, and I love you know I grew up 
watching like old black and white uh, swashbuckling movies with Errol Flynn and love the era of like when there, we had honor culture and there was there was fighting, but there was honor between enemies and just dashing heroes. And so I wanted to kind of bring that into my own writing and especially like that whole sense of that three musketeer uh, sense of adventure, romance, but put it in the historical context of the American Civil War. Mr. Cody, if you uh, describe the writing, what is it or what are they? Well, I'll tell you, one of the things is that Dumas didn't sit down to write novels. He wrote serials that took place, uh, that were published weekly in, in Parisian newspapers and, and actually throughout France and translated throughout the world. So when you read like The Three Musketeers, I think that I think it comes out in like four volumes. What you're reading is it's a lot like Netflix. If you can think of if you think about it, it's serial writing. So when I write my chapters you know a lot of authors they just number their chapter chapter one chapter two every chapter has a title because every chapter is a story unto itself but then again it's part of the bigger story so if you think about my books uh think about my books as like a season of netflix actually some of them are multiple seasons and every chapter is like an episode so i try to do that and i also you know do my had a full range and i think this is what makes great storytelling is that when you read dumas uh there he's funny sometimes it's sad sometimes there's romance and i think you have to have an range of emotions to make it really compelling to people because in the in the end daniel people will forget the things that you say and do but they'll remember how you make them feel and so you can't feel joy unless you have felt sorrow and you can't feel happiness unless you felt anger. So I, I try to do that in my own writing. Definitely indeed. When I uh, read book of Alexander, I felt the triumph yeah. of revenge. <laughs> yes. Oh my yes. goodness. Yes. That's how you I remembered Alexander Duba. So what age did you realize that you're good in writing? Well, I'll tell you something about, you know, you said you love that whole thing about revenge. My third book, Blood for Blood at Nashville, is is a revenge book in, in which um, the uh, it, it starts off with the what we call the the massacre, uh, the Fort Pillow massacre. And from that, a, a very beloved character, um, well, I don't want to spoil too much, but something terrible happens. And his friend, who is the main character of the trilogy, is on a hell-bent mission to get revenge. And I think what I feel like I I, I, I try to do, and I, and, I, and I think I do it quite successfully, is, is that I want to make you feel. So I want you... By the time we get to the point, like part one of Blood for Blood at Nashville starts with the massacre at the beginning of the, the battle, stops, and then the next chapter we go back 14 months and then we tell the story of not whole, only how the good guys get there, but how their enemies get there too, and build this up so that it becomes something that is inevitable. And I think the important thing is, is to to make you feel and to show you the tragedy and the sorrow that you also have to see the beauty of life. And so I try to do that and balance it so that there are 
there are moments in the book that are are wonderful that shows you just how great life can be so that when the tragedy happens you feel it and i guess that's the that's the you know someone once said and i don't know who said this but they said that the historian will tell you what happened but the novelist will tell you how it felt and so my goal and i think i do a pretty good job my goal is to take you there and at the same time, try to keep all my books as historically accurate as possible. So like the battles and the historical characters are real, but my characters are interwoven into those stories. Very well said, Mr. Cardi. So who influenced you or who encouraged you to do your writing? Okay, so I would say there are four authors. I, I mean, I, I, there's a lot of authors that I love, and some, some of which you've interviewed. Uh, but the four that really have done it for me is, first of all, um, I learned that I love historical fiction as a reader. And I will say this, Daniel, you can't be an author. You can't be a writer if you're not a reader first. You have to love books to truly write books that other people will love. Because if you don't, then you're fooling yourself. Go get a guitar or do something else. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I would say Bernard Cornwell is the person I've always loved historical storytelling movies books i didn't realize that historical fiction was a genre until i started reading bernard cornwell and a lot a lot of us i think follow him in his footsteps and if you don't know who he is he's the man behind the um last kingdom series is based off of his books he's also got a very famous napoleonic wars with this character uh um richard sharp which i absolutely love uh the other person another person is k.m ashman He's a Welshman. He writes um, like British medieval stuff. He was the first person that I read on Kindle. And I realized that he started out as an independent and then eventually went with a big publisher. So he was the one that, first of all, I love his writing. And I'm very lucky to be friends with him on social media. I love his writing. He's the one who showed me that I could, um, that this could be done, that I could make my dream come true. Uh, I already talked about Alexander Duma. Alexander Duma is the person that I, I try to be like. And so if you like Duma and you like the Count of Monte Cristo, I think you'll like my writing. The final person of that, my four-legged table here is, um, I'm going to screw up the name. It's Arturo Reverte Perez. Um, or no, Perez Reverte. I knew I was going to screw it up. I knew it was three names. He's a Spaniard. And he wrote the Alatriste um, books, and they actually did a movie. It's the most expensive uh, Spanish-language movie ever made, and it's got um, a Vito Morgensen in it, and it's wonderful. And he himself is a big fan of Alexander Dumas, and so he also tries to write in that way. But I remember, I think I read the second, I, I read the whole series, and I was reading the second book and i just there's so many times where i'd read a passage and i would just have to set it down and just like absorb what i just read because his writing was so beautiful and it made me feel so much and then finally i said i gotta do it i have to start writing I, either either i start writing now because i've been saying it all my life that i was you know one day going to start writing books either do it now or just stop talking about it so i would say those are the four writers that most influenced me. Oh, interesting, Mr. Cody. So Thank are you. you are you a gardener or an architect? I uh okay. I would say that I am I, I think I heard you ask P 
pincer move this? And in other words, do I plot my books out or do I fly by the seat of my pants? Is that what you're asking me? Yes. Okay. Um, I would say that, first of all, this is, uh, this is not a one or the other. It's a continuum uh, where you fall somewhere uh, on the line between the two. I would say that is, it, is an architect someone who plots? Yes. Okay. I would say that I'm mostly a plotter. And when I, when, I, when I sit down to write a book, I have a very good idea of how I want it to begin, how I want it to end, and how I want it to, or what I want to have happen in the middle. And, and, and loosely connect some of, the, uh, some of the events. A lot of it has to do with the actual history that happens as well. I keep a rough outline that I'm constantly updating and changing because I also allow myself to to evolve and let the story evolve too so every one of my book every one of my books have things that surprised me that i didn't have planned right away but as i was the overall plan was there the overall plan for the whole series and i got daniel i got 10 more books already thought out um that i just <laughs> <laughs> but i allow myself the, the 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 story is simple but then i allow things to happen and sometimes even i mean almost every book i've surprised myself with something i didn't realize i was going to do and still until it came to me and then i'm like oh oh my god this is great because when you're in the moment you're in the moment and that's when you just you know you grab things so i think and I would say to all your, your 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 listeners, and I'm sure a lot of them are authors like me, either authors like me or aspiring ones, is to kind of ride the line both ways. You should have a plan for sure, but don't have it so rigid that you can't make changes when you have inspiration or opportunities that come to you. Very well said, Mr. Cody. So what are, what are your uh, short-term and long-term goals in writing? I would say, um, first of all, you 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 have to you have to find once again you have to find that that space on the continuum between being an artist and a businessman, right? So uh, so you definitely should be writing what you love and your passion is, but you should also have an idea to marketing and and and, and how to build, because if you don't build an audience, no one's going to care about your artistic heart uh, ringing your artistic heart onto a page. So I would say that, you know, I have four, four novels right now. I'm writing my fifth one. And my biggest goal right now is to just really build up a readership. And I'm doing a pretty good job so far. I have great read through. So usually when people read the first book of my trilogy, uh, Rampage on the River, um, they come back and they read uh, the Perils of Perryville, which is the second, and Blood for Blood for Nashville, and then Mexico, My Love, which is the prequel. So I guess the short-term ter uh, goal is to is to build a readership so that eventually I'm putting out books and before I, they even hit the shelves, I have pre-orders and people waiting to, to read them. And I do now. I do now. I just, but I want to get that bigger and bigger. Long-term is I want to write as many books as I can before I die. And that's not going to be for a very long time, I hope. <laughs> wish for, I wish we were all the best for that. <laughs> Thank you. My series right now is called The Long Century because a lot of historians talk about what um, the long uh, 19th century, which not just the 1800s, but the long 19th century starts with the, uh, the French Revolution. 
And a lot of the things that will come to bear come out of that, like communism, capitalism, fascism, nationalism, all these things that really shaped our future of the whole world. And so the long, according to scholars, the long 19th century starts with the French Revolution and goes all the way to World War One. And all the seeds for World War One are planted in 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 that time during the French Revolution and grow and grow and grow until we have World War One. And World War Two is an extension of World War One. So my plan right now is I have a series of novel, a start with the American Civil War, uh, but the overall expanding universe that I'm writing in is going to encompass that whole period. The the long 19th century, and I even include World War One and World War Two, because those wars are really two parts of the same conflict, and they're the culmination of everything that happened, starting with the French Revolution and onward. Amazing, Mr. Cardiso. Before, <laughs> uh, before we go on, I want to shout out to the people listening in the United States. Thank you so much, especially in the state of Tennessee. Thank That's you Ryan. so much. Nashville, I got 26%. Mofrisboro, 10%. Huntington at 8%. Memphis at 8%. Otiwa at 5%, Mackenzie at 5%, Franklin at 5%, all 5% people, Hickson, Catanduga, Bristol, Signal Mountain, uh, Greenville, Lebanon, um, Catlinburg, Cleveland, yep. Clarksville, and last but not the least, Savannah. Thank you so much for supporting this podcast because this podcast is created to empower writers all over the world like Mr. Cody Engdahl. Yeah, and I've been to all those places where they're beautiful. Uh, I wish I will, I will visit uh, someday Tennessee. <laughs> Thank you it's so much. It's a wonderful place, Daniel. You're, and you'll be more than welcome when you come here. Oh, thank you, Mr. Cody. So let's talk about the uh, book, The American Civil War. Yeah. So, you know, the when I decided to start writing, I, I wanted to write something that would um, that, that would be familiar enough with and um, not just the, the, the history, but something that would be uh, similar to my own my, my own experience. So I am not from Tennessee. Um, I, uh, as most people like to point out when I talk, because I have a very northern accent, according to my friends down here, I'm from Detroit, Michigan. So I wanted to write about somebody who would join the army during the Civil War and end up in Tennessee, just like I did. Um, so I was in the 101st Airborne, uh, went to, um, you, you talked about Clarksville. I was stationed at Fort Campbell there got out and then fell in love with Nashville. I've actually lived all around the world, but I've finally made my, my way back here. So the American Civil War is, it's a fascinating uh, event. And it's, it's really funny how popular it is. And get this, Daniel, I get, most of my royalties actually come from the United Kingdom. <laughs> and and yeah. it's because it's, it's it's exotic to them. They're they're fascinated. There um there are American Civil War reenacting troops uh, in Italy, in Poland, in the United Kingdom, 
in Germany, uh, all over the world. I, I, fo I follow a lot of their groups. And I think what makes people very interested in it is that you really have like two sides that are very much like each other. You have brother versus brother, uh, friend versus fr friend. So that is the, um, that's kind of the theme that I wanted to, to write to you because in my books, I don't write about good guys and bad guys. I write about real people who are caught up into something that is bigger than, uh, than they are. And of course, there's, there's a lot of fascinating stories and a lot of real stories that are mixed in with my fictional story that is interwoven with that. And also, a lot of times if you read my books and you're reading about an, a battle or you're reading about a, a real historical character, I, I'm telling you, like, truly how that battle went down or truly how that person was. And there's so many fascinating little stories. And one of the things I like to do is at the end of each of my books, I have what's called a... Um, a historical note and there i go back and i talk about the the real historical stories that go that are in my books and i'll tell you a little bit more about them or i'll tell you about things that i wasn't able to get into the book but i thought was fascinating so um so so that really got me and then the if you read my first book rampage on the river you'll see that i set up kind of a mystery about the main character's parents and I've, I, I reveal the truth about that in the second book, Perils of Perryville. But the prequel, Mexico, My Love, is, um, is, will tell that story. And it's the story of the parents of my main character, Carl. It's about how his parents meet in uh, Mar Marseille, France. They meet, they fall in love, they run away together, and they go on this grand adventure that will take them across the, the, the deserts of Africa, um, where they'll tussle with uh, Algerian freedom fighters and the French invasion uh, across the ocean. Will they'll, they'll encounter pirates, and eventually they get involved in the American, the, the Mexican American War, uh, in which at first they will uh, do that in California. And not a lot is there's not a lot written about the uh, Mexican American War. Not a lot of novels out there, and not only that, but most of the Mexican American War novels and storytelling is is down in central mexico which i do cover that too but i also get in what's called the conquest of california because california was once well i mean first it was it was controlled by the natives that lived there but then it was part of the spanish empire and then later it was part of mexico and so i tell the story of how the united states conquered california uh by characters take part in that and then eventually they move down to central mexico where they'll fight off the the american invasion there so if you ever wanted a, a really good historical uh historically accurate depiction of of how california became the united states and left mexico that's in it and of course um the uh the the fight in central mexico and the fall of mexico city as well Oh, interesting, uh, Mr. Cody. So according to Amazon, you are number 31 in 45 minutes. Politics and wow. social science, short reads, 99 in 45 minute history, short reads. Congratulations. Yeah. Yes, that, that's, a, that's a, one of my nonfiction books. And that one is, um, that one's called The American Civil War Was About Slavery. Slavery. Yes. Yeah, there tends to be an argument sometimes where, where there's there's 
a a philosophy out there called the lost cause where some people try to rewrite history and say that the war was about anything but slavery but the when the states that seceded from the union when they wrote their letters of secession they said we're seceding from the union because we want to protect slavery that was the cause now that doesn't mean that every single man that fought for the confederacy was doing so because he wanted to keep slavery um many of the confederate soldiers fought because they were drafted um the confederacy was the first uh, in the united states to have or in the um in, in, in what we now know as the united states to have a um, a conscription uh the the yankees the the northerners did so as well um short time afterwards and a lot of the people that fought for the confederacy did so because well there were uh, there was an invading army down there that was burning their farms and doing terrible things and so they felt the need to fight for their for their states and to defend their homeland but you can't ignore the fact that the reason for secession is because is to protect slavery and i think the easiest way to um to say is that the argument over slavery was the cause for secession and secession is the cause of the war okay interesting so do you think mr Cody slavery in the u.s is already totally abolished well you know slavery is is it is a very loaded word because what really is slavery uh we have it today uh back then we had systematic legal slavery in which people could buy other people and force them uh, to do labor. It's happening today. Um, there's a lot of sex traffic traffickers. Um, a lot happens to um, migrant workers that come over and they don't have documentations and they are abused and they are uh, manipulated by people who use them for their labor and they hold them hostage because hey, you're going to work for me and you're going to work for whatever I pay you. And if you don't, I'm going to turn you over to the, the authorities. So, you know, unfortunately, slavery in one form or the other still exists really all over the planet. And of course, we're constantly trying to do to eradicate it. But as far as um, legalized and systematic institutional slavery, like the chattel slavery we had um, before the Civil War, Thankfully, uh, that was that was abolished uh, with the uh, um, the Emancipation Proclamation uh, that gave um, well, it gave freedom to our uh, our fellow uh, our fellow Americans. And in fact, you know, I, I don't know when this is going to air, but tomorrow is June nineteenth, and and it's a very uh, it's 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 been a holiday uh, in Texas for over a hundred years, but it's becoming more and more of a national holiday. And this is when Gordon Granger who is in my first book, The Real Gordon Granger's in uh, Rampage on the River. At the end of the war, he is sent to Texas because a lot of the slaveholders who didn't want to give up their slaves ran to Texas as kind of a last bastion of, of, um, of slaveholding. And Gordon Granger was tasked with uh, going to Texas after the war and declaring that all the enslaved people there were now free. That happened June 19th, 1865. And tomorrow in the, um, in the United States, and I think worldwide, um, we should uh, celebrate that this is the, uh, the beginning, I guess, of a long, long road that started with 
um, the emancipation and continues today as we fight for uh, equality and and um, and to get everybody on the same footing. Yes, uh, this will be published today, Mr. Cuddy. Okay, uh, yes, I make sure that tomorrow is widely available to Spotify on Apple or whatever podcast you're listening. So the American Civil War, what are your preparation in doing it? Uh, I, I would say the, the first thing I did was I I wanted to um, I, I wanted to find a, a, a regiment and and then use them as the the structure of the trilogy. So I wanted to find a, a regiment that would muster in Detroit and end up at the Battle of Nashville. And the Battle of Nashville is the big finale of book three and the end of the trilogy. And so um, I picked the second Michigan and I want a uh, second mission cavalry. I wanted cavalry because guys that are in the uh, in the artillery or in the infantry, they're kind of stuck at camp. So there's not a lot of storytelling you can do outside of the actual history. But cavalry, they go on raids, they uh, they go on patrols, so you can get them kind of away and do side adventures. And just a little bit of a spoiler on Rampage on the River, my my Yankee and my Confederate guys who were best friends, now enemies, have to come together and go on a kind of a, an adventure that they have to work together that brings their friendship back. Um, so I picked the 2nd Michigan Cavalry. And then what I did is I said, I looked at their overall uh, trajectory through the war and the three big battles that they were part of over a hundred battles, but the three really big battles are the uh, Island number 10, Perryville and Nashville. So what I did is I structured my first book to end with the battle of Island number 10, which is a very fascinating battle. And then Perryville for the second and Nashville for the third. And then really my story of these friends kind of took over. And so I was able to kind of weave this story. So in the first book, these two friends who are on opposite sides have to come together to save someone else. And it's a, it, and each book is a, you know, it's a story to itself. But the second book kind of picks up where that leaves off. And it's all about the consequences of, of the first book. What happens the next day, especially when working with the enemy might get you accused of treason, which you could be shot or hanged for. So that's what kind of fuels the plot of the second book. And then the third book, as I told you, starts with the massacre at Fort Pillow and um, ends with a, um, a, a kind of a revenge plot that will end with the um, at the Battle of Nashville. Very well said, Mr. Cody. So the American Civil War, what is the best highlight? You know, I think the best highlight is once again, getting back to my idea about honor against, um, uh, honor amongst enemies. And so, so many times, there's so many actual real stories of men on both sides coming together and, and, and not forgetting their humanity. And so there's a lot of examples. There's a, there's a lot of actual real historic examples of that in my books. And of course, with my characters, you know, like, for example, the battle of um, the siege of Mumfordville, there was a, a young uh, Yankee colonel, uh, Colonel Wilder, who has about 500 men uh, held up in this um, fort. And he's surrounded by, um, I think 
maybe it's 5,000, about 5,000 men in this small fort. And he's surrounded by 40,000 rebels and they're demanding his, his, um, his surrender. And, uh, one of the men that is with the Confederates had, had been captured by the union earlier, but had been exchanged. So this, this Yankee Colonel sneaks into the rebel camp to go talk to this rebel leader and, and, and says he gets smuggled in and, and he comes to the guy's tent. He's, he's brought in by uh, Confederate soldiers and he says to the man, I, I want your opinion of what you think I should do because you're an honorable man. And so this guy, his enemy, who he's asking for advice, the man said, well, if you think, if you know things that we don't know, if you have reinforcements coming, then you should fight. But let me show you some things first. And he took them out and he goes, see all these cannons that we have in position? We're going to open up on your fortress in the morning. And if you can see all these men uh, surrounding, we have 40,000. And so if you think you can, you and your men can survive this, uh, then fight. But if you don't think you, your men will survive, then I think you should surrender. And Wilder said, well, then I, I'll surrender. And the man said, are you sure? Are you absolutely sure? And he said, yes. And so he said, okay, let's go talk to my um, commanding general. And, and so um, the Confederate guy took Wilder to his commanding general, um, Braxton Bragg, and they they talked out they talked out the terms of surrender. And the next day, the Yankees came out and they um, stacked their arms and they were allowed to uh, walk away with paroles. Now Wilder and that general that he came to talk to, who is um, what is his name? I, I can't think of it. All of a sudden, um, uh, they end up both being at the uh, Battle of Chickamauga as well. But that scene where Wilder sneaks out of his own camp and into the enemy camp to get advice from one of the generals there, that scene's in that book, in Peril, uh, uh, The Perils of Perryville. And I like things like that. And and the Confederate uh, general who helped him said, at that moment, that man had trusted him so much that there was no way that he was going to betray that trust. So that's what I mean by like honor amongst enemies. You know, it was a different time. Yes, indeed. So the American Civil War, what are your struggles in writing? Uh, you know, the, the hardest thing, the struggles of writing, I'll tell you what was easy to write about is that most of the battles that I describe are within a car drive from where I live. So I was able to actually go and walk the ground and see where everybody would have been. And that made it a lot easier to write. And then also, um, it's the most written about war. So there's so many resources, including a lot of firsthand accounts. So I used a lot. Um, I used the, um, uh, what is the uh, Watkins book about, um, there, there was a man that fought for the Confederacy in the uh, first Tennessee. He wrote a, uh, a memoir. And I used his memoir quite a bit to to uh, get what was going on behind the line with the rebels. And then there was a man that was with the second Michigan who wrote a, a memoir and I used a lot of his. So that was the easiest. Uh, that's what made it easy. I think what made it hard is it, there's a lot of modern day politics that has kind of bled into this study of the war. And a lot of people want to re-adjudicate 
what the war was about and who was bad and who was good and all that kind of stuff. So what was important to me was to tell the human story on both sides and not get mired in like, these are the bad guys and these are the good guys, because, you know, I'm, I I don't know if you know this, I'm a fiddle player and I have a band and um, my great, great grandfather fought in the 43rd Illinois, which was a federal Yankee unit. His great great grandfather fought in the uh, in one of the uh, Confederate Tennessee regiments. Uh, we're the best of friends. He played. I play the fiddle. He plays the um, uh, he plays the banjo, and we go do Civil War uh, historical events around Nashville. And here we are, the great great grandsons of two brave men who fought for their sides. So I guess, unlike most wars. you just you really have to be careful about you just have to be honest i guess you have to be honest about um about things Uh, not everybody on one side was necessarily bad and not everybody on one side was necessarily good either yes definitely so before we go on mr cuddy i want to invite you to listen to my other podcast Comedy 101 with Mr. Mike Lucas. If Book 101 power writers all over the world, Comedy 101 empowers comedian all over the world. We're going to teach you how to entertain people and how to love people. <laughs> because mm-hmm. laughter is the best medicine, as they said. Plus one more. Food 101 on our third season with Chef Alessandro, one of the best executive chef in one of the best restaurants in downtown Toronto. So please do listen, Food 101. So, Mr. Cody, are you a traditional or indie author? I'm an indie author. And um, I think it's because I'm, I'm such a control freak. And I always say, I heard this from a friend of mine. They say, he says a, a camel is a horse designed by a committee. So I like I like to I like to have control of my own creative because um, you know I don't want an editor um, uh, changing my story. Uh, I also uh, really enjoy the uh, the marketing side of it. My I, my mother ran an ad agency when I was a child, and I grew up I grew up in television, and I grew up uh, in a, in a world of advertising. So I really enjoy. Um, getting my hands dirty with the business of it. And, you know, I understand a lot of traditional uh, published people, they like it because they can, you know, they can write their draft, hand it off to someone else, they polish it up and it gets published and they don't have to, um, they can start writing the next, their next book and the publishing house does all the work uh, as far as marketing. I like doing that work. I like doing that as much as I like writing. Um, In fact, I mean, to me, I mean, this is one of the reasons why I'm here on your show because uh, this is all part of the marketing effort. Uh, and so I really enjoy the indie game. Now, if somebody, if a, if a, off, if a publisher came to me and say, Hey, we like your stuff and, uh, we have a, we have a good deal for you. If it's a deal that works for me, yeah, I'd be happy to do it. But otherwise, um, I really enjoy, uh, the independence, uh, that I have and, and, and kind of plotting my own course. Yes. So what do you think the pros and cons of uh, indie author? I think, first of all, you are directly in control. I won't name any names. I I, I know a person 
uh, an author that I like a lot, and I've read several of his books, and he announced on social media that he was retiring. And then the reason being was because he he had been with a publisher, his publisher finally dropped him, and uh, he, he, he published one indie book, and it didn't do well, and then he's like, I'm done. I think the pros of, of at least starting as an indie is that if you go with a if you go with a traditional publisher, okay, this is how it, it works in the modern days. What they're going to do is they're going to give you maybe a $5,000 advance, which is really not a whole lot of money for the amount of work you put into uh, writing a book, right? And then what happens is once you publish that book, um, that $5,000 advance, it's an advance. So it's money that you're getting for the royalties if your book earns that much money. And, and you're hoping it does. And so, uh, so does the publisher. But if it doesn't earn that money, um, then you'll probably get dropped and you won't get a second deal. And not only that, they own your intellectual pro uh, property. So I'm not saying don't ever go with a, uh, a, a traditional publisher. But what I would say to any author out there who's dreaming of becoming one is establish yourself first. Um, Establish yourself so that you have a, a better bargaining position with a um, with with a traditional publisher because what you want ultimately is you want it to be a deal that is beneficial to you and beneficial to them and you know an arm's length agreement and if you can get that uh, and you can make them money and they can help you make money uh, then you'll write more with them but I don't think in today's day and age it's absolutely necessary. And I've read a lot of uh, articles and, and testimonials, and I've known of people who a lot of them say your publisher isn't necessarily going to get out there and market your book uh, or spend a lot of money on it. And so you're still going to have to get out there and do that. Um, so the one thing you get from a traditional publisher is hopefully distribution, uh, getting into brick and mortars. But, you know, Amazon has like I can't remember something like 90% of the online book sales uh, market. It's incredible. And especially with eBooks. And I don't know about you. I see that you're an author as well. Um, I make probably about two thirds of my revenue from eBooks, either through Kindle Unlimited or, uh, or people just buying the Kindle books outright. Uh, I still do make money on, on print, on paperbacks and, and, um, and, and hardcovers. And uh, I also, um, I do a lot of events. I could do a lot of Civil War shows or author talks where I bring my own author copies and I, I'll do a lecture and then I'll sell books afterwards. But the big money maker for me is the eBooks. And, um, and you don't need a big publisher to get into that game. If you're writing good books and you're writing a series that people want to come back to, and, and you're doing good marketing and getting in front of people, doing podcasts like this, uh, you can make it. You just have to put the work in. Yes, indeed. Definitely. So you're an uh, inspiring message for those aspiring writers out there who want to publish their books or stories. Sure. I would say, uh, I've been saying this forever, um, because I spent all my life saying one day I'm going to write a book, and I didn't write my first book till uh, I think about four or five years ago is um, the hardest thing about writing is sitting down and writing. It's the hardest thing to do. So, um, uh, so I would say that uh, 
the other thing is you don't sit down and write a book. You writing a book takes time. And so it's just daily effort and it doesn't have to be hours and hours and hours. Even if you only have like an hour a day to work on it, it's just consistent work. Um, even if you write 500, let's say, let's say you're saying you're, 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 you're listening to me right now and you're like, this guy's right. I'm going to start writing my book tomorrow. Um, if you can commit to this, if you can write 500 words a day, Monday through Friday, okay, take the weekend off 500 words a day. That means you've written 2,500 uh, words in a week. That means you've written about, uh, let's see, about, uh, let's see, uh, about 10,000 words in a month. That means in about six months, you've written 60,000 words. Well, that's a short novel right there. You could have a, a novel, a 80,000 word novel in eight months um, and then start working on the editing. And, 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 you know, if you're not strong in that, you know, pay money if you need to, to get some professional help with that, get a good, um, get a good cover and then publish. And then soon as you're, as soon as you got that book out, start writing the next one. And that's the big thing. And I'll tell you, Daniel, my books sell each other. You know, my first book came out, my first novel, and I had my first blip in sales and I had a spike. It was great. And then it fell off. And then it leveled out and then the second book came out and then the spike was even bigger. And once that spike was over, where it settled was higher than where it was before. The third one, even bigger. And now with the fourth one, and it's funny because uh, when I finished the trilogy, once the third book came out, the second and first one really started selling a lot. And, you know, I've, I put out my fourth book Mexico, my love that came out um, the day after. Well, in, in the US, we have Thanksgiving, which is the end of November. Um, and that once that came out, everything started really building. So it's an accumulative thing. And the more books you get out, uh, the more your other books, your older books are going to sell. And if you can write in a series, that's great. And if you can write in a series that people want to read, <laughs> <laughs> so yes. and i'll tell you if you're writing a series and it's a dog and people aren't reading book two start a new series yes try and try until you succeed people that's life <laughs> yeah you know that's life and, and and you you know you it's not how many times you get knocked down it's how many times you get back up yes and people if you have the passion in writing go for it probably you are one of the best in the making <laughs> one of thank the best you. author right <laughs> thank you yeah I, you know we're all climbing the mountain and i'll tell you there are authors that are way up on that mountain higher than me that have helped me that have given me advice i have authors that i have coached and helped them publish their first books and i coach them on their um on their marketing and uh we're all just somewhere on that path and for yes. some of us, the path is faster. Some it's slower, but it, you know, even the most, you, you don't even have to be that incredibly talented. You just need to be that incredibly dedicated and willing to listen, willing to take criticism and willing to work on your craft. And I think if you really pour your heart into it, it it's achievable. It's achievable for all people. Yes. Work hard, people. <laughs> work hard. Nothing beats working hard. Yes. And for the marketing, you are 
uh, free to come to me and let's promote your book. Absolutely. You know what, Daniel, you're one of the hardest working men I know. I mean, what you got four podcasts? <laughs> yes, I have six podcasts right now. I'm six podcasts. <laughs> you, you got you got a ton of books out on Amazon, and you're a chef. Yes, <laughs> I wow. have a day job. I am a chef on a retirement home. So imagine, people, I'm a machine. So if I, I can do it, you can do it. Come on. Yeah, no excuses. <laughs> no excuses. I like to cook, too, as a hobby. Oh, can you guess on my food 101 and let's talk about it? Sure, sure. We can talk about uh, cooking ribs. So, Mr. Cody, can you please invite our listeners to buy all your boots? Yes. Uh, so if you like this and you want you want to learn more, I'm on Amazon. My name is Cody C. Engdahl. That's E-N-G-D as in David A-H-L. Um, I have a trilogy about the American Civil War. It starts with uh, Rampage on the River. And even though all the books are connected, you can read them out of order if you want. Some people are just interested in the Perryville book or the Nashville book. Um, and then my latest book, um I'm sorry, uh, Mexico, My Love is a prequel. So you can start there, although it will spoil a little bit of a mystery that that gets uh, that gets solved in The Perils of Perryville. Um, but anyway, all my books, there's a free sample that you can read. So you can read the first chapter, too. And if you if you like it, you know, read on. If you don't like it, you know, that's fine, too. Um, I'm writing my fifth book now called The uh, The Prussian Prince. It's about the main character after the American Civil War. All he wants to do is get back home to his wife. And he comes home and he finds out that his wife, who's German, has moved back to Prussia to have their child. And so he's going back to, uh, to Prussia to uh, be reunited with his wife and ends up getting involved in a clash of empires that will basically write the rest of history. It's kind of the seeds of World War I. Uh, we're seeing the rise of the Kingdom of Prussia, which will eventually become the German Empire. Interesting indeed, Mr. Cody. And uh, thank you, Player FM, for being on the list. I'm on number five best book review podcast, Mr. Cody. And thank, oh, thank you, you so much. Thank you, thank you, Player FM. And thank you for my Food 101 because... We got our 1 million downloads. Thank you so much, people, wow. for supporting, supporting Food 101. If you're supporting Food 101, can you please support Book 101 Review? Because this is for a good cause. We're empowering writers all over the world to write more books. So, Mr. Cody, thank you for your time. Thank you, Daniel. You got it. More to come, people. See you soon.